The Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission, the National Park Service, and PRX present The Agitators, a play by Matt Smart. Frederick and Susan's fight over the 15th Amendment exploded on the stage of Steinway Hall in New York City on May 12, 1869. The American Equal Rights Association was ripped apart, and the women's movement was divided into two, the activists who supported the 15th and those who didn't. This messy public fight between Frederick and Susan became a turning point in American history. The unified front to get voting rights for all became divided, fragmented. It was 50 years before women won the right to vote with the 19th Amendment in 1920. It was commonly referred to as the Anthony Amendment, even though it was ratified 14 years after Susan died at the age of 86. But let's rewind. Back to 1870. We don't know for sure when Susan and Frederick reconciled, but we know that very little time passed before Frederick was back out agitating for women to gain the ballot. We begin in the unlikeliest of places, a baseball game. I'm Ashley C. Ford. This is The Agitators. Episode 4, Seeing Anew, 1870 and 1872. The Commons Ball Field, City School Number 14, Rochester, New York, August 22, 1870. Frederick, 52 years old, sits on bleachers at a baseball game. He holds a small brown bag of peanuts. He takes one out, breaks the shell, and he eats it. Come on now. Come on, mutuals. The crack of the bat. Frederick rises to his feet. He watches the flight of the ball. The ball is caught and out is recorded. Ah, nice try, Settle. Get him next time. <laughs> Come on, mutuals. Susan, 50 years old, enters. She wears her red shawl. She carries her alligator purse and a newspaper. She sits down in the row behind Frederick, but not far from him. They do not acknowledge each other. Come on, now take a swing at least. I thought you did not know how to sit. Frederick leans back and holds the bag of peanuts out to Susan without looking at her. She does not take one. He continues holding the bag out. Eventually, he rescinds the bag. He takes one himself. He breaks open the shell and eats the peanut. Susan puts the newspaper down next to Frederick. What is this? Look out! I repeat, what is this? It looks like the most recent edition of the new National Era. The finest black publication in America. But what is this? That is an editorial about the woman's suffrage movement. And you wrote it? I did. Is this an apology? <laughs> an apology? No, it is the next step. Good swing! Don't go down easy! We have not spoken in over a year and then this... My door has been open. This is one of the most brilliant arguments I have ever read in favor of women gaining the ballot. Well, then why do you sound upset? Where was the man who wrote this last year, when we needed we him? We are at a ball game, Susan. 
Charles is on deck. We can talk of this another day. The AERA would not have been ripped apart if- I am happy you are here. I am happy you have broken your silence to me, but take a moment to look at the miraculous sight before us. My son is a member of the Washington, D.C. Mutuals, and here they are playing a game against the Rochesters. White men and black men playing baseball together. Half the town is here, the carriages are blocking University Avenue, a barbershop quartet is roaming about. What a sight! <laughs> the entire team is spending the night with us tonight. It will be bedlam. <laughs> Anna insisted on staying home to prepare supper and ready the linens. <laughs> huh. I pleaded with her to come, to no avail. And now Charles is up. Come on, Charles! Come on, son! A despotism is no less a despotism because the reigning despot may be a wise and good man. You, you, you want to talk about this now? Fine. Let us talk about this now. Women cannot be represented by men. Women must have self-definition, self-direction, self-representation. No man is good enough to govern any woman without her consent. Are you quoting me to me? I am. You and Elizabeth must be the generals. I will fall into the ranks behind you. Anytime you need me to speak, anytime you need me to write an editorial, I am at your disposal. You feel guilty. No. I will never apologize for black men getting the right to vote. But since it happened, I... I see a new... I can see that as long as I was disenfranchised, my fight came first. But now, I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I ask myself is, how can I agitate today to help women gain the ballot? I am your soldier. There is no greater cause to me now. Would you like my help or not? Peanut? Yes. Move over. I'm coming down to your row. Ugh. How many times does the thrower throw it to Charles? Until he gets a hit, or an out, or until the balls, fouls, and strikes reach nine. Then what? Well, he would get first base on what is called a base on balls. What is it now? It is at seven. Uh, no, six. The first pitch of the at-bat does not count. What? Why not? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, dang gummit! Dang gummit? Dang gummit! <laughs> is he over with now? No, it is another foul ball. A foul on two strikes is not a strikeout, but counts in the nine balls. And a foul is only an out if a fielder catches it on the fly or after the first bounce. So now he is at seven. Now come on, Charles! Come on, son! <laughs> oh. Ooh. Is he all right? You got him on the leg. <laughs> he should be fine. What is he doing? Oh, this is new this year. If a hitter is hit by the pitch, he goes to first. But it is not nine balls yet. This trumps that rule. It would seem some simplification of the rules would be helpful. Oh, they are always changing the rules. Well, they will get it right one of these days. Come on, Fisher! Knock them home! 
So, when shall we discuss the next steps? The plan of attack. Do you have time tomorrow? Oh, the ball club has to leave on the noon train, and I... Let me check my schedule here. I have to see Mayor Lutz at 3. How about 1 o'clock? I have a committee meeting 1.30. What about 5 o'clock? I have to see my editors at 5. How about a quarter past noon? Uh, a quarter past noon... It is. Where are you off to next? Oh, I do not even know. Next is... Cortland! Cortland? Why? Uh, for a... What? For a celebration commemorating the ratification of the 15th Amendment. Hmm. Uh, then I must go to D.C., and Wilmington, then back to D.C. for an interview with President Grant. For an interview with President Grant? <laughs> hmm. And you? Where are you next? Let me see... Next is New York City, then lectures in Jamestown, Westfield, Belmont, Alfred, and Corning, then New Jersey, Trenton, then back to New York, Owego, Binghamton, Elmira, then Pennsylvania, Williamsport, then Cleveland, Ohio, Aurora, Illinois, Chicago, Detroit, then D.C. When are you in D.C.? D.C. is December 8th. Will you be there? I am here in Rochester December 8th, but back to D.C. December 15th. Will you still be there? Mm. No, I will be in Philadelphia. Then lectures in Lowville, Watertown, Potsdam, Carthage. So, quarter past noon tomorrow. Yes, quarter past noon tomorrow. I have it down. Yeah. On Madison Street or South Avenue? Let us meet at your house. It has been too long since I have seen Anna. Yeah, but it has been too long since I have seen your mother and Mary. Let us meet at yours. Very well. Madison Street it is. They will be happy to see you. And I them. Hmm. <laughs> What is your handbag made of? Alligator. Alligator? <laughs> what? Well, now that your movement has made you famous, you gallivant around the country carrying an alligator bag? It is a purse, and a woman deserves a purse of her own, does she not? Yes, but... <laughs> this purse is a political statement. Women cannot have bank accounts. We are taxed without representation. Every woman deserves a purse of her own. Good eye, Fisher. Yes, I know and I agree, but this purse is also a fashion statement. This purse is a protest. There can be no true independence for women until we are able to control our own finances. Here, here. Where was the alligator from? They do not tell you where the alligator is from. Mm -hmm. Did you ask? No, but... Then perhaps it is crocodile. No, it is alligator. <laughs> Oh, speaking of reptiles, how is Mr. Train? It has been more than a year since we parted ways. Oh, remind me, why did you part ways? Because he is a racist? Or because he stopped sending checks? Frederick. Which was it? Both. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Come on. Throw the ball instead of merely talking about throwing the ball. What is this? The man catching the ball can go speak with a man throwing the ball for as long as he wishes? How long will this game last? Enough with this tomfoolery! Throw it, dang gummit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we still know how to surprise each other. Indeed, my friend. Stop! Do not touch me in public. Not my hand, not my shoulder, not at all. What? There is a white man, red in the face, staring at us. 
He clearly does not think we make a suitable pairing. Do not look at him. Pay him no attention. He has a pistol in his pocket. Saw it glimmer in the sunlight. He does not look this way at the black man selling peanuts to the white woman. He hates me not because I am black, but because we are talking as equals. Because you and I are friends. He is talking to a police officer. Dear Lord. Never touch me in public again. Now I must miss my son's game. You are going to leave me here alone to face them? Your skin will keep you safe. Frederick exits. Stunned, Susan watches him go. She looks toward the man and the police officer. She stands. Elsewhere, a spark flies through the air. Another. A fire begins to burn. The flames flicker. Smoke fills the air. The wood snaps. The fire grows and grows. The Douglas House, South Avenue, Rochester, New York, June 5th, 1872. It is almost two years later, the burnt remains of Frederick's house. There are the scarred black skeletons of trees. The ground smolders. It rains. Susan, now 52 years old, holds her umbrella above both her and Frederick, now 54 years old. They look out over the destruction. When I received word that my house burnt down, my first thought was, I am surprised it did not happen sooner. I left D.C. in such a rush I did not think to bring an umbrella. Why would I bring an umbrella to a fire? Thank the Lord no one was hurt. I implored Anna to stay away. This destruction is too much for her to bear. Even in the North, the property of the colored man is less respected and less secure than the property of any white citizen. They have not yet identified the cause. Oh, there is no question who did this and why. The police are not yet calling it arson. Oh, they can call it whatever they please. My time here is through. Washington, D.C. will be my home now. Please do not say that. It is the Ku Klux spirit that lit this match. But this is Rochester. Indeed. But even though Rochester is among the most liberal of northern cities, there is still hatred, whether it is out in the open or boiling below. Please wait until the investigation is over before you... There does not need to be an investigation. Can you not see what is smoldering before you? Yes, but... This is arson. This is hate. I have been enduring it my entire life, and so this comes as no surprise. But what pains me more so than whoever did this is that you, one of my oldest friends, do not immediately condemn this act as arson and hate. 
what, what, what is it that keeps driving us apart? Is it the 15th Amendment? Is it an angry mob, an angry man at a baseball game? Is it whoever lit this match? Oh, it always seems to be someone else, somewhere else. But what if? What if it is right here between us? Frederick, I feel a pain in my chest as though my own house burnt down. But your house was not burnt down. Mine was. We are standing here, the two of us who love one another. We are looking at the same thing. And yet we see two different realities. I do not want to believe my city is capable of this. I do not want you to leave. I do not want to lose my friend. Do you still believe this can be a country for all? Yes. Then look at what is before you and try to see what I see. I see the skeletons of trees you planted some 25 years ago. I see Anna's lilacs turn to ash. And if I look up and down the road, I see that no other property has so much as a flower out of place. This is the work of an incendiary, of a hate-filled person who wishes to drive away Rochester's most beloved son. Do not let them win. Please, do not leave. There is nothing left for me here. Frederick starts to leave. He sees something. He reaches into the burnt remains and pulls out his violin case. He takes a deep breath and opens the case. Miraculously, the violin is in perfect condition. There is not so much as a scratch on it. He takes out the violin. He takes out the bow. Will you give me a moment? Mm. Susan exits. Frederick readies his violin. He closes his eyes. He plays a eulogy for the house and the memories in it. Snow begins to fall.
Frederick Douglass falls to his knees. End of episode four. This was The Agitators by Matt Smart from the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission, the National Park Service, and PRX Productions. The podcast adaptation was envisioned by Commission Executive Director Anna Lehman with support from Kelsey Millay. Performances by Madeline Lambert as Susan B. Anthony and Cedric Mays as Frederick Douglass. Directed by Logan Vaughn. Original music and score by Juliet Jones and Rootstock Republic. The production team includes executive producer Jocelyn Gonzalez and managing producer Genevieve Sponsler. Post-production sound and mixing by Sandra Lopez-Monsalve and Ian Koss. Original music and score recorded, mixed, and mastered by Joshua Velo. Theme song production by Hunter Lamar. Shoe Fly, performed by Charles Brown, Dwayne Cooper, and Russell Fisher. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. Special thanks to David Herman of Good Studio, Dan Dietrich of Wall-to-Wall Recording, and Aaron Sparks and Jacob Mann at Edge Media Studios. I'm Ashley C. Ford. To learn more about the history of the suffrage and abolition movements, visit the show's website at go.nps.gov slash suffragepodcast. What do you think you know about a woman's right to vote? What if what you learned in school isn't the whole story? And what if suffrage is about more than getting to the polls? I'm Retta. And I'm Rosario Dawson. Join us for And Nothing Less, a podcast honoring the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. From the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission, the National Park Service, and PRX. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.